Are you a caregiver? Or do you have a loved one who is aging and you, or they, might have questions that need to be answered? We have some answers that might help. This is Aging Life Network with Nancy Oriola. Today, you'll hear from experts and others related to the field of aging who will bring you answers, best practices, and tips for helping your loved one navigate this new part of life. Now, here is your host, Nancy Oriola. Hello, this is Nancy, host of the podcast Aging Life. Today is January 6, 2021, and I am recording live. Happy New Year to you all. I truly hope 2021 is a good year for you and your family. It is certainly beginning much differently than last year. My first show and my first very special guest for 2021 will offer you not only the practical life-enhancing information I want to share with you each week, but she also brings to us a perspective related to living with Alzheimer's and dementia that can bring hope, joy, and laughter to those seniors and their families seeking a way to live with dementia. Of course, the diagnosis of dementia brings with it fear and dread of the future and many unknowns. However, there is a growing recognition in the dementia world that life can still involve life. And by that, I mean humor, fun, laughter, friendship. Our guest is going to help us and invite us to shift our thinking away from um, this disease only posing um, difficult challenges. Uh, and of course, we acknowledge it, it, it comes with some very difficult challenges. However, she will invite us to think about some of the possibilities. Um, she has an upcoming conference in February, um, Dementia Possibilities, which I will ask her to speak about in the course of this show. But um, I am just so thrilled to have her here for our first show to really bring to our um, aging seniors, boomers, and families um, this different perspective. Dr. Uta Lakvig is a nationally recognized Alzheimer's and dementia specialist. She's been active, an active proponent of progressive and person-centered elder care since the mid-90s. She's the author of several popular books, and we will be talking about her newest book and guide on using person-centered approaches for effective elder care. She is frequently invited to speak at national conferences and other events, and today comes to us from Santa Fe, New Mexico, where she lives. Dr. Lukvig, thank you for being here. You're so welcome, and thank you for inviting me. Yes, thank you. Um, in August 2020, you published your fifth book related to Alzheimer's and dementia titled The Alzheimer's Creativity Project Point Two. Um, congratulations, by the way, on your fifth book. This book shares, yes, this book shares with readers a bit of the information included in your earlier in your earlier books. Um, there's a lot in it, as I've said to you. 
those developing dementia programming nationally in facilities, um, day programs, et cetera, um, direction and perspective. But it's an amazing book for um, families to use um, in their care of, of those they love. Can, can we start by talking about the book? Um, I noticed it's a second edition. Um, um, shall we start? talking about the book. I know there's a lot of um, things philosophically we want to get to. Um, where would you like to start? We can start with the book because uh, I try to make the book really inclusive. So not only does it have uh, ideas for, it's called a creativity book. So it has a lot of ideas for creative projects that anybody can use and enjoy both uh people living with dementia and also families. And, and actually, you know, we, if you skip the first 36 pages, which are basically all about caregiving tips and communication skills and all that, that you need as a caregiver, then uh, mm-hmm. the, the rest of it can be used with anybody. They're fun projects and they're yes. real. They're not, yeah, one, I have to tell you uh, that, one of the reasons I, I had two reasons for writing this book. Uh, I have worked a lot with clients at uh, who lived in facilities. So I'd spent a lot of time in uh, all together about 12 or 15 years spending hours in facilities. So I, I could observe what was going on, what worked and what didn't work. And, uh, and with projects in particular, you know, one thing that frustrated me for a long time was that most of the activity programs that happened in so-called memory care units were, they were kindergarten stuff. Mm. To me, that was so offensive. Mm. Don't give me a, 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 a piece of bond paper, flimsy paper, copy paper, uh, for me to do coloring on with crayons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so that my programs that I did, the book, uh, uh, as I, I think I mentioned in the beginning of the book, that all of it is based on the programs that I ran for uh, many years Okay, with people with advanced dementia. And uh, as, as you can see by the works in there, that some of it was ended up to so, so professionally looking professional looking that uh, we could have taken it to the galleries here in town. Which reminds me of, um, I did an interview with um, a colleague, someone you know from Alabama, Dr. Daniel Potts, and he talked about Mm -hmm. his father who created amazing artwork. And so um, taking a little step aside from the book, um, although it's titled The Creativity Project, talk about creativity and what that brings to um, a senior and and at, at, at any level, those first diagnosed um, all the way through to those with uh, more severe dementia. Creativity is... As far as we know, actually, anything that has to do with creative projects are activated in different parts of the brain from speech, cognition, the usual things that you run into, you know, with dementia. And, uh, and you can awaken it 
at, at any time, even with people who are very advanced. I had one woman in one of my groups who uh, had both Parkinson's and, and Alzheimer's, and she almost could not move because of Parkinson's. You know, her, her wounds were so stiff. Sure. That uh, the, she, by, she indicated that she was interested in our program. And I tried to get her involved, but I realized that it was impossible for her. She couldn't really handle the, the, the tools and the, and the, the uh, supplies that we worked with. So I, I got her a board, just like the boards that the other, that the other residents used, and uh, got her some colored pens. She grabbed one, she managed to pick one colored pen, and then she started making circles. And she spent like two hours making circles in the same spot to the point that the, the pen actually <laughs> wore through the cardboard down to the tabletop. Sure. So, sure. And, but she, it was the first thing that she had done yes. in years. I knew her for almost five years. Well, and wouldn't um, someone like that, I mean, creativity comes in different forms, right? So um, singing might, um, you know, there's a lot of research coming out in the last um, five years in particular about music um, and how that stimulates people. Absolutely. Music is, is crucial. Mm-hmm. Music is really crucial, and, and very often I would use that. Uh, actually, I had two two of my regular residents who were in charge of choosing the music, our yes. background music when we were playing with with projects, and uh, and that was, because actually that was their interest number one, and it was also what they were best at. And they were most you know, reluctant to get into other things because again, in both cases, had Parkinson's. Um, so we know that music uh, cognition <coughs> rests in a different part of the brain as well, mm-hmm. and we're also we're also speculating that you know these things are very hard to prove, but we're speculating that music is the first thing that we perceive in in utero actually, mm-hmm. and the last mm-hmm. thing to go as we're dying. So one of the things I do recommend to everybody is if you if you are helping a person at the very end of their lives, please use music. Mm-hmm. More mm-hmm. than anything, use music. Yes. Their favorite music. Certainly for, yeah, it, it offers calming. Right, right, yes. exactly. But it can also be a source of joy um, as well as comfort. Yeah. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we danced a lot. <laughs> we didn't look too good. I was always hoping nobody would be watching. But, but you know, moving and dancing and just, uh, you asked about creativity. Mm-hmm. And as you, I think you probably picked up in the very beginning of my book, I talk about creativity being not only projects, but just in how you approach your life as a caregiver, as a family member, as a person living with dementia. So mm-hmm. think of things a little differently. Think out of the box. Okay. You know? And so, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that, um, 
you know, on this show, I've talked with people about engagement. Um, you talk about action versus passive activities. Mm-hmm. Um, so can, can you speak about that? How do you, um, I mean, yes, when, when someone has a more advanced dementia, um, it's, it's a little more challenging to engage, but you're speaking here now to, you know, some ways you can. But for th- those that are initially um, diagnosed or in the earlier, you know, ways of engagement, um, finding purpose. I, I notice you, you do give a great, if I could, if I can share some of what I read. Um, you said everyone needs purpose. You, me, your six-year-old and your grandfather. Yeah, we all need purpose. It can be anything at all. For one person, it may be sorting out the mail. For another, signing petitions. And when we talk about engagement um, of seniors, there's a way uh, in which one gleans from them, um, you know, or if you're a senior yourself, like us, um, you know, reflection on, you know, what it is that, in the past has given you purpose. Often it's helpful to have someone helping you discover that. Can you right. speak to that? Yeah. Right. Can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. I, I, I work with people with very early diagnosis as well. And that's, that's basically the key thing in my work with them is to find out for them something that, get, that feels purposeful. So what we talk about first is like what, you know, what, it, what is it that really bothers you about being in the early stages? What can't you handle? And very often is finances. Yes. Well, okay. so I, you, you know, in, in, yeah. uh, as it happens, everybody that, uh, that I had these conversations with had a spouse. You know, so I said, well, is, is it possible that we can just have your spouse hit, uh, take over that part of the finances? How do you feel about that? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so, so uh, we only have a couple of minutes before our break, but mm-hmm. I want to get back to just one thing because it's key to everything that I do. I focus on the person's abilities and one problem that we have as a culture is we tend to focus on people's disabilities, not their abilities. And just like the lady with a, with a pen going through the board, that was her ability. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so, um, right, as a culture, again, the dementia diagnosis, there's fear, there's dread, um, concern, you know, can't do this. Um, you, you know, I know um, uh, uh, among my peers, um, you know, the normal aging process of forgetfulness and, you know, all of that, of course, with dementia comes to an extreme and dementia, typically it's a term that defines, you know, you're having trouble in different activities of, of life. But people um, do spend their time focusing on needing to fix that and not looking at what is still, you know, what still remains. Um, Gatherings of folks with dementia um, tends to 
focus primarily on um, support groups where we focus on the challenges. Um, well, a good support group would also probably share successes and, and some positive things. But um, I want to talk about gatherings and I want to talk about um, how um, boomers, you know, people who are newly diagnosed are um, beginning to shift the thinking around dementia, bringing different types of gatherings and how as a community we can begin to find ways to develop those different gatherings. Right. There are a couple of, of big growing movements in this country and, and worldwide, actually. One is uh, dementia-friendly communities. Yes. And uh, which actually it, what that means is that we help the community understand how to shift their communication and their approaches to something that's comfortable for a person living with dementia. So they can interact with the, uh, a merchant, you know, and they're not uh, they're not embarrassed <laughs> and, and ignored. Uh, mm-hmm. How you communicate, and the other, the big one is that uh, the there's a big movement, and it, again, it's worldwide of uh, Alzheimer's cafes and memory cafes. Yes, it's the same thing. Just, yes, you know, just, yes. You know. I want to talk about that Um, because um, although it's been around, right, the memory cafe, um, but it's, it, it needs more attention. It needs more development. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you were part of that early memory cafe development, I believe. I started the first one in this country. Ah. Actually, in, in the whole northern, in the whole northern hemisphere, I started the first one. Uh, I didn't know it at the time. I just thought when I came across it, it was it was started in the Netherlands, mm. and uh, I, I thought that is the most perfect gathering for people with dementia and everybody who's involved in their lives. So we we are going to have to take our first um, break, but when we come back, let's. I, I'd like to hear more about the memory cafes. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask and help you understand the maze of options their network of life care professionals available to you through hipaa compliant video conferencing and calls will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems aging life networks online educational center aln academy offers 24 7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families through podcast interviews with senior care experts articles and live webinars aging life network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one check out aginglifenetwork.com today 
and find the answers you need. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with Dr. Yuta Lokvig, um, who... Um, is an author, has authored five books related to Alzheimer's and dementia. We've been talking about um, her newest book, The Alzheimer's Creativity Project, and um, and how creativity um, can bring um, more um, life and joy to those living with dementia. Um, we want to get into a little bit uh, about the, you know, a phenomenon of um, gathering adults who live in the community um, in um, gatherings other than your typical support group in what is called the memory cafe. Um, That's the term that's developed over the last couple of decades. Um, Dr. Lukvig was involved in uh, founding the earliest uh, first memory cafe here in the U.S. and um, and so I had a different impression on uh, what the cafe was, and many listeners probably haven't heard about it. But I will say that um, and I think you would agree, um, Doctor, that um, boomers are an unusual bunch, <laughs> <laughs> and. And in the aging world, and and some of this hasn't been discovered mainstream yet, although it's evolving, you know, there's a lot of growth around thinking about aging, viewing it differently, living differently. Boomers are not going to sit on a rocking chair and just, you know, stare at the the grasses. Um, We're a more active bunch um, we we are aging more consciously, um, and I think the Memory Cafe fits right into that whole picture. Um, so why don't you just give us a broad stroke background on what it is and how it's evolved and what people are doing around the country? Okay. Uh, it started in the Netherlands in uh, uh, ninety seven. And 97, yeah, I think it was 97, uh, with uh, Dr. Bear Meeson, who was a, a geriatrician, and he's, he specialized in working with people with dementia of various sorts. And he realized that one of the things that, they, uh, that families and the people living with the disease uh, were up against was discrimination, stigma, mm-hmm. exclusion, too much solitude. And it, and it was very hard for them to function out in the world without feeling stigmatized. So he decided, okay, the best way to deal with stigma is to, to face it head on. So mm-hmm. he started a group and not knowing if it was going to go anywhere. I mean, he, would, he, really, he really thought it might fail, as did I, by the way, when I first started one year. Uh, 
he decided to call it the Alzheimer's Cafe. Alzheimer's, not memory. Hmm. I'll get back to that. Uh, anyway, he decided to call it the Alzheimer's Cafe precisely because of the stigma. He said, how do you get rid of stigma? You face mm-hmm. it and you throw it out there and you make people talk about it. So it, it, it was incredibly successful. And I, I, in the meantime, I knew nothing about this for almost 10 years. I think it was nine years when I actually came across it one time, uh, one day in a Google search. And I just saw it. It said Alzheimer's Cafe. And I thought, you know, I mean, for me, it was perfect. I knew, for me, I knew exactly what that meant. Yeah. And I knew that I had worked with families and people living with dementia for uh, 10 years at the time, more than that. And one of the frustrations was the discomfort of being out in public and how necessary it is for us to actually be out in public. We are social beings. Yes. So this was one big step toward that. Since the uh, memory cafes and Alzheimer's cafes got started, also, they also started a, uh, uh, a movement called the, the Dementia-Friendly Communities. So the two of them, they kind of, I mean, they interlocked. You know, the whole purpose of both of them is to bring awareness to the community and help everybody out there understand that even if you're living with dementia, you're still a real person. You don't go away. Mm-hmm. And you may have some great stuff to contribute. You also yeah. may have forgotten a lot of stuff, but you, we don't know until we interact with people. Well, and frankly, um, uh, much to the credit of AARP, we are, um, many cities are just now creating age-friendly cities, you know, age-friendly communities. So, moving from that to dementia-friendly communities, it's going to take a little bit. I mean, currently, I think those communities are often, um, um, you know, within a small geographic, it might even be within the housing community, um, right, educating um, the community. And uh, I know, as you do in assisted living, more and more of the seniors in the general assisted living community have some form of dementia and people don't typically. So, you know, seniors are living with um, friends and, you know, that, that have dementia. And so everybody, so in that regard, yes, the, the communities are developing a more dementia friendly set up. Um, but the memory cafe is, is more, um, I mean, for now, um, something we find out in the community, probably in facilities as well, but so how are they structured? Um, is it just, it's simply people who have dementia that are a part of the cafe? Um, uh, people with dementia, but also their caregivers, their family members, their friends, anybody who's involved in their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, uh, the cafes are, we, we had, before COVID hit, by the way, mm-hmm. we had somewhere between 600 and 1,000 cafes in this country. Oh, okay. You know, okay. It really grew. I mean, I started mine, the first one, in 2008. 
And it took three years before somebody finally listened to me because I kept pushing it. I'd go, con- I'd go to conferences and say, you've got to do this. This is so, so simple. Anybody could do it. Uh, yes. You know, you could do it anyway. You could do it in a person's living room. You can do it in, in, in the storefront, you, wherever. Just d- do it, you know. And they thought I was nuts. Uh, and, actually, and, <laughs> it, and is there a prescribed structure or is it whatever? Whatever works for that community. Uh-huh. And uh, one of my colleagues actually runs – well, before all of this is before COVID, obviously. I, you know, I I don't know honestly what's going on right now, uh, but in I think she's in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. She has two cafes in the same area, but but in two different communities, and one of them is very structured because that's what that group wants, and the other one is just the opposite. Right. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> you know, and, yes. and that, you know, that's my philosophy, as you know, because you read my books. Mm-hmm. I am focused on what people need and want and what's going to help them, not me. So yeah. more of a person-centered, people-centered. Totally person-centered, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay. It's not, it's not going to work long, long-term long if, if you aren't. So my if... Theory. So if someone were interested in, um, in uh, well, I encourage people to, to look at their communities in Google, Google's our friend, and Google Memory Cafe in that city or um, town um, to find one. And if there isn't one, um, you did, in fact, write a, another book that I read of yours. You wrote a book uh, in twenty. 14 or 16 um, called the Alzheimer's and memory cafe, how to start and succeed with your own cafe. And so that book is available on Amazon and people can pick it up and, um, and you offer a lot of suggestions and examples of different cafes around the country. Right. Right. And they can always contact me by the way. Yes, and um, you know, for their particular community, please. Uh, yeah, and I want to do this at the end, but give us your email now. I know that you're open to receiving um, direct emails right. from people. Uh, it's my last name, so I'm going to spell it twice. Actually, okay, it's pronounced Lokvik, okay, but it's spelled L O K V as in Victor, I G as in George at gmail dot com. Oh, it's so simple. it's L-O-K-V-I-G at gmail.com. Very good. Okay. And that's where people can email you um, if they have questions about developing any of these projects. Um, yeah. I um, want to ask you about... Um, so I love the Memory Cafe. I think it's a, an amazing idea, and I encourage, I think, every city and community. And if people can develop them right now uh, virtually with the, you know, um, we should be doing that, period. Um, we, I know you take a very person-centered approach. I totally am on board uh, and agree with that. We think a lot alike. Um, you brought up, and I recently saw a video about it on Facebook, so um, I thought it was very curious that 
twice in a week, I heard you speak of the Montessori method as it pertains to working with and and uh, and using it as a perspective in working with older adults with um, dementia. Can you speak to that? Um, I certainly know about it in terms of working with children, but I had never heard people talk about it um, with adults. And it's, it's, it's very successful, actually, with adults. Uh, it, it basically, it's the same for, for, for children as it is for adults. It once again, is focused on what that person is interested in, taking the things that they are interested in. And when it comes to children, you use that as a tool to get in, that in, them involved in other projects. You start with that, you find things that relate, and then you kind of spread it, you know, ever so slowly. And in a way, you, you do it a little differently with adults, but pretty similar. So it's all about the person, what makes it, what makes things work for you as a person. Mm-hmm. So if you have dementia, what is your ability? I need to know what your ability is. Forget about your disability. And is it, start with is your it ability a, and, and your interests, you know. Right. So it's ability and interests. Yes. Right. Yes. And um, I was reading in one of your books, um, you know, the example of um, a husband who, when you asked, um, you know, what do you enjoy doing? What have you enjoyed doing? Typically, he said he enjoyed doing his taxes. And his right. wife <laughs> and his wife was standing behind him, shaking her head, saying, "Please don't encourage him to do our taxes." And so you <laughs> you suggested a way that she might, um, um, you know, allow him to do the taxes, although those would not actually be the taxes that might the CPA might, you know. Um, send to the IRS. I've heard the same thing about, you know, people who work their whole life, who spend time at a desk, um, who were bookkeepers, adding numbers, and, um, you know, folks setting up an office for them in their home, a place where they could get dressed up and go to work every day. Um, Those kinds of creative ways of, uh, and, and that's for the more advanced individual, but for the person in the earlier part of the disease, um, yeah, encourage, helping them explore um, and finding out what those things were and helping to facilitate. Exactly. And like I said before, you know, you, you find out for them, who could take over all the stuff that really gives them trouble? Like if, and usually it's finances. Very often mm-hmm. it's, you know, you can't keep track of the checkbook anymore. It's well, just that, option. You know, yeah. people, some of my clients had signed up for several credit cards that they were not aware of. And one person ran up like like $10,000, $15,000 of of credit. Oh, yes. Well, you know, you know and, the- and so that, you know, <laughs> so with that person, I helped them reorganize their lives with her and the spouse. And so that the spouse took over all the financial stuff reluctantly at first, but, but well, yeah. We managed and-, to do and then in the meantime with her, I said, what do you enjoy doing? Just 
for your own pleasure? What do you enjoy? And she said, well, at one point I used to do some pottery and stuff. I said, well, would you like to, to uh, try it again? And, mm-hmm. I, oh, mm-hmm. she just jumped at it. Mm-hmm. And she actually became a master potter within mm-hmm. about 18 months. Her, her work is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, in terms of finances, I mean, we all know people who don't have dementia who can't handle finances, but um, that's, that's my New Year humor. Um, but, um, you know, we uh, research is now showing that financial, uh, the ability to manage finances is often the very first thing um, that gives out and very often um, the first sign that there's a problem for many people. And so, um, yes, I do shows and encourage family members to, um, to pay attention to those sorts of things. But uh, in terms of um, engagement, um, yes, I think people often have things they enjoy doing before they um, lost the ability to do it by themselves. And so, um, or they have things that just, they enjoy, or they have things they've always imagined they well, might enjoy. And that would be the funnest part, I think. It's, yeah, and, and I know I, I always tell people, if, if it doesn't work, forget it. We'll find something else. Don't worry about it. Correct. And you don't want to push a person into something that they used to do when they were very young, but they're no, no longer able because of the dementia. Right. And well, and it's, real, and, you know, it's so... It, you don't take it too seriously. <laughs> right. Well, and in the world of purpose, um, you know, um, I've read um, some suggest you look at what did your loved one, you know, what was their purpose in the family, right? So mom may have been the one who sent all the birthday cards. My mother, in fact, one year, she took uh, a beautiful, you know, balloon um, from the balloon fiesta. She took a balloon um, calendar and she cut out pictures, little faces of each family member, and she glued them to dates in the calendar for that person's birthday. <laughs> and she sent it to me so I would not forget when a niece, nephew, sibling, cousin, you know, somebody had a birthday. That was her job was to sort of keep us all engaged in each other's lives. And so, um, yeah, learning that was really an interest, knowing that, you know, it became important that when she could no longer write the cards herself, that Mm -hmm. someone would help her get that card out because we knew it was that important to her. So um, I'm I'm sorry to say we're going to take a second break, but when we come back, we'll finish up this conversation. And then I want to hear about the conference that you have coming up in February called Dementia Possibilities. I'm intrigued by the title. So uh, we'll be right back. We'll (laughs) We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. 
play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you overwhelmed and struggling with the next step? Is your family in crisis? Do you need advice or help making a difficult decision for an aging loved one? Aging Life Network was developed to connect you with senior care experts and life care professionals who will discuss your unique situation, offer practical step-by-step guidance, tell you the questions to ask, and help you understand the maze of options. Their network of life care professionals, available to you through HIPAA-compliant video conferencing and calls, will work with you to create action plans to solve your current and real-time problems. Aging Life Network's online educational center, ALN Academy, offers 24-7 access to the most up-to-date and accurate information for seniors and their families. Through podcast interviews with senior care experts, articles, and live webinars, Aging Life Network shares with you those things you need to know to care for your aging loved one. Check out aginglifenetwork.com today and find the answers you need. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Aging Life Network. If you have a question or comment for Nancy about the show, please send an email to nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. That's nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, thanks for joining us and coming back. I would like to say that uh, 2021 is a year of um, some change for me in the show in that I want to share topics and speak um, as much to um, seniors, um, aging adults, boomers, as I do to those who love them and care for them and are concerned about them. Um, what I find is that given how, um, how we're living these days, um, many of us are um, in the business of being concerned about our friends and our siblings, um, as well as parents. Um, we do have about a million millennials that are already um, caregivers for um, aging boomer parents, but we also have, you know, 70 million boomers who are moving through this experience and, um, and um, there's a lot um, they need to know as well. And so um, in that regard, um, Dr. Lokvig and I have been discussing living with dementia, uh, both uh, f- from the experience of the individual who has been diagnosed as well as um, those who care about them. Um, Dr. Lugvig, uh, you um, have a conference I have read a little bit about happening in February. I am interested in what, um, how you're doing it, the dates, and, and what, how, how is it focused? Talk to me. Oh boy! It it started with a nice narrow focus, and then it grew. <laughs> it's a five day conference. That sounds crazy, right? But it's uh, oh, a couple hours a day in the afternoon, and of course, it's virtual. It's called Dementia Possibilities, and uh, you, you could go to information about it, uh, the program, the presenters, and registration information. 
by going to DementiaPossibilities.com. Okay. We came up with that title, by the way, because we were bouncing ideas around, and somebody in the group said, uh, well, we want to get into the realm of possibilities that are, mm-hmm. you know, that are still open that people are not aware of. So that's how the title came about, and I like it. So we cover we we talk about basically a lot of the stuff that you and I have talked about this morning. Uh, issues with caregiving, issues with communication, issues with uh, interactions, all that kind of stuff, but also uh, great activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we have a, a program on music and poetry, and uh, I do. I do a session with Ruth Dennis, who uh, she and I have been colleagues for over 20 years. Uh, and she must do a session on, on communication. Oh, very good. Because mm. communication is everything. It yes. really is the key to everything. And uh, I'd love to do another show on that, by the way, with you. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I've done one before, but, um, you know, to get different perspectives, I think, would be really important. And, um, yeah, I would love to do that. Um, so um, is this geared more to the professional, to the family caregiver, um, to both? Uh both and people living with dementia. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. It's everybody. Very good. It's once again, okay. it's just like the face. It's everybody who's involved because we all need to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. And and we have uh, we, my my uh, partner in crime for several years now has been living with a, a diagnosis of Alzheimer's for years, and uh, and she's great. She's she feels comfortable speaking to what does that feel like? What's important to her? How can we help her and anybody else in her shoes? And so, and I'm also inviting uh, other people that I know around the country are also living with dementia to participate yes. because we need to hear. Yes. You know, I can only imagine, but that's a, that ain't the same as living with it. So, we have that. We have uh, a medical doctor who is has worked with with dementia and end of life for forever, and um, we have several professionals. Uh, all of them are from this area, except for one of our colleagues who's from Colorado. Colorado. I guess that still mm-hmm. counts. This area, right? Uh, the Southwest. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, the Southwest, and we decided to do that because we we. You know, I, I have done conferences for years and years, and they tend to draw people in from the East Coast mostly. And we hardly ever hear about what's happening in the middle of the country. And we're very active here <laughs> in, in Santa Fe, major Santa Fe and Albuquerque area. And there's some really good stuff happening, and people need to know. Oh, very good. Right. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, it, the, hearing from people who have dementia, who are living with dementia themselves, and the experience, uh, what that experience is like, will do so much um, uh, for allowing people to understand the experience better. I mean, not only overcome the stigma, which needs to happen, but um, I think um, so often families just 
uh, it's hard for them to understand what their loved ones or, or even friends, what the people they love are going through. Um, I, I had mentioned to you, um, I was at a national conference and this is so new that I was at a national professional conference and um, the, one of the main speakers was um, Greg O'Brien, a fellow who wrote a book called On Pluto. He was a former investigative journalist um, in Boston and um, they discovered, you know, early onset dementia. He had a car accident. They did, you know, x-rays and CAT scans and discovered the uh, Alzheimer's. And, um, you know, and that was only two years ago. And here were professionals, you know, flocking to hear this guy speak about his experience because it is so rare. And um, so the fact that you're going to have somebody um, who will do that kind of sharing, I think is really valuable. I appreciate that you're doing that. Um, so, um, you know, we have a little bit of time left. What, um, what is most important for people to get out of the work that you, um, are doing and, um, what you've tried to, um, share with people in the five books that you've authored? Um, just let's leave people with some of that. Okay. Okay. As, as we start this new, what I consider hopeful year, um, certainly um, as regards last year, this is going to be a, a really good year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Holly, actually, even if it was mediocre, it would still be good compared to last year. No so, kidding. Anyway. <laughs> uh, they, Again, because I want to repeat that, is to urge people, if you're a caregiver, family member, sit down, make eye contact with your loved one. Let them guide you wherever wherever they want to go. Let them guide you. Try not to lay your things on them, but let them guide you, and you'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be something as simple as, uh, "Mom, would you mind giving me a hand with a with a salad?" And mm-hmm. can we sit right here, you know, and let her do what she wants to do with a salad? It, it, in fact, <laughs> I recall hard. it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. A lot of this stuff is hard. Yes, I, I no, I understand. In fact, I recall something in your book where one of the questions you ask is to a person with dementia, what is something you like to do by yourself? Um, because I can imagine people are hearing this thinking, you know, this we need to be in groups, we need to have someone engaging with us and for the, you know, full-time caregiver, um, you know, they're exhausted. And so I loved that question. What do you, what would you, what did you used to, what would you like to do um, by yourself? Yeah. Now, yes. Yeah. Now, now, right. And then when they answer, like if she says, uh, I want to sort the silverware. Mm-hmm. Let her sort the silverware all day. Right. However long she, that's, that's the trick. We need to get out of the way. Do you right. know what I'm saying? You know, we need to get out of the way and, and just let 
and learn to go with their flow, not ours. And by, I, I need to throw something in right now. What did we do with the man who wanted to do his taxes to his yeah, wife's did, consternation? <laughs> I told the wife, I said, make copies of all the paperwork. They'd had a business. And, and, and his, his finances were very important to him. You know, so I had her make uh, copies of all the paperwork and give all the originals to the accountant for safekeeping. And he, he could do his taxes all day long. Correct. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so, so living with dementia, if, if you're not the person living with dementia, get out of their way. Exactly. Get out of their way. And if you are the person living with dementia, um, seek out gatherings of people that you can, where you can share not only mm-hmm. what, what you're experiencing, but also, um, you know, have a few laughs and make fun of some of the things that, you know, you can't forget, you know, the things you're forgetting. And <laughs> I mean, just laugh, just laugh, at, I guess, laugh at yourself, right? Laugh at yourself. In fact, Greg O'Brien, um, the, the talk I heard him give uh, was about humor. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to find more humor in all of this. Um, mm-hmm. We have, you know, we certainly don't need to find the sadness and the tears. Th- those find yeah. us, but find the humor, get out of their way. Um, and-, yeah, and just for your information, there is a wonderful, there's actually an international group, but uh, which I was also tell you about, but there's a national group called the Dementia Action Alliance. Ah. Mm-hmm. And it's designed specifically to be very inclusive. So okay. I would, the, the most outspoken members of that group, and this sizable, hundreds, uh, are the people living with dementia. <laughs> so, you know. Well, I, yeah, they, ultim- ultimately, they will create change, um, yeah, the people yeah. living with it yeah. themselves. Um, I want to thank Dr. Uta. Lukvig for joining me today, author um, and national expert. And um, it's been a pleasure um, talking with you, meeting you. Um, she can be reached at her email, L-O-K-V-I-G at gmail.com, or you can email me, nancy at aginglifenetwork.com. Have a great new year, people. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in this week to Aging Life Network. Please join host Nancy Oriola for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We can't wait to talk again.